Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And it was a busy week in the world of college gymnastics. Jade Carey made her collegiate debut. Sunisa Lee did floor. Carol was back in full force at Florida. And Michigan remains the number one team in the nation. We discuss it all and more, so stick around. But first, we want to thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. A big thank you to Kathleen R., Amy M., Lucy S., Kevin K., Maya A., Becca S., Nina L., DFP, Blake B., Elaine E., Rydog, Cookie Master, Faith M., Kristen R., Lori S., Sabrina M., Amy C., Erica S., and M. Thank you all for continuing to support our show each month at the highest tier level. If you enjoy our podcast and you want to support the show, we'll have a link down below to our Patreon where you can find out more about each tier level, how much it costs, what you get, and all of that. Now, let's get into today's episode. It was a very eventful weekend of college gymnastics. I feel like, honestly, we spent the whole weekend watching gymnastics. No, for real. That's literally all I did this weekend was yeah. watch gymnastics. But no complaining. I honestly wouldn't want to have it any other way. So we'll jump right into it because we have a lot to talk about today. The first meet that we watched, well, tried tried to our best of our abilities to watch, was EMU versus CMU. Brittany was in Zoom class at that time. Yeah, so I was like, you know, stretching, turning around, looking at the TV occasionally. Cracking your neck. Right, occasionally going off camera because I had to go to the bathroom, but really I needed to watch Hannah Demers on floor. (laughs) You you catch my drift? I was also working, and I was in a Zoom meeting at that time, so there was a lot of... A lot of stuff going on in the room at the same time, but we did have EMU versus CMU up on the TV because, of course, we had to support our girls. You mentioned Hannah Demers. have to give her a shout-out. She's just so incredible. She sweeped all the titles that day, so she won the all-around and all four event titles, had a 39-4 in the all-around, and honestly, I think it could have been higher. I agree. I feel like she was a little bit underscored on both bars and floor. Her bar routines, I went back and watched, and... You know, I'm sure, like, you can nitpick it and find little things here and there. Like, I'm not saying it was a flawless routine, but she scored a 9.85, and I didn't notice anything significant in terms of deductions. Like, she hit the handstand, she flies high on her Tkachev, um, full twisting double back dismount, sticks the landing. So um, it's like, where's the deduction? Yeah, I'm like, if this was in another conference, it would have been a 9.95, but... We all know that there's a problem with judging here. <laughs> well, and I felt the same way with her floor, like you said. Yeah. Like, I was watching it, because like I said, I turned my camera off, and I went to the bathroom on, on that little break, and I was watching her floor routine, and it was really, really good. I was like, that's going to go at least 9.9, like 9.9 plus. Mm-hmm. And it went 9.875, so like one judge did give it a 9.9, but I don't know. I was it, confident that it was going to be a huge score, and then I saw the 9.875. Like, she didn't break 9.9 in any event, and I'm like, oh. Because she had a really good day like, right. all you across watch, the board. You would watch her performances, and you would think that they were all, like, 9-9+. plus. Yeah. Speaking of her floor routine, it's one of my favorites this year. I mean, she's always great on floor. Like, so much fun to watch. She's a great she, dancer, great energy. Yeah, she really, like, gets into it and sells it. And just watching her in person, we weren't obviously in person for this one, but when CMU and Western were at Michigan for the exhibition, we got to see Hannah's routine in person. And she absolutely sells her routine. Like, she makes eye contact with people, even if it's not, like... Like a CMU 
cheering section. She's not afraid to make eye contact with the fans of the opposing school or whoever she's, you know, competing against. Yeah. And I really, like, respect her confidence and appreciate it. Yeah. She's a performer for sure. I also wanted to give a shout out to Hayden Crossan from EMU. She was having a phenomenal day up until the last rotation on floor when she unfortunately fell. But honestly, watching her, she was having, like, her best... I mean, at least I felt her best all-around performance. Bars, vault, beam, everything was really, really good. And then, unfortunately, she had a fall on floor. So she definitely wouldn't have been in contention for the all-around title, I think, had she not had the mistake on floor. But she's really stepped it up. You know, she was someone that her freshman season, she was injured, so we didn't see her competing. She did a couple exhibition routines on beam. And then last season as a sophomore, we saw her back in the all-around. And she did really, really well. And I think people kind of started to take note of her more. And I think this is going to be another great season for her now that she's a junior. Also want to give a shout out to the freshman from EMU, Ella Shimani. We're obsessed with her. She is a beam (laughs) queen. And people might not realize it yet, but she definitely is on her way to becoming a beam queen. Uh, I think that was definitely her strongest event as a J.O. athlete. So I am not surprised to see her, you know, towards the back of the lineup as a freshman at EMU. She has a triple series, backhand screen, layout, step out, layout, step out. Honestly, like, one of the best that I've seen. Like, she's right up there with the best in the nation doing that series. Great toe point extension, legs completely straight. Yep. And she's nice solid. Fluid. Yeah, it was, it's, she's great on beam. She scored a 9.825, which we were excited about because week one of competition, she had a couple of little bobbles and scored. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was in like the 9.6 range or something, I think. Definitely not what she's capable of. So, you know, I think as season goes on and she gets even more confident competing at the college level, that is easily going to be a routine that goes 9.9 when she hits. So that's super exciting. It's something to keep your eye on. And if you play fantasy gymnastics and you're looking for a beamer, um, we definitely recommend her. She's also, she's an all-rounder. I mean, she does all four events. She's really great on bars too. Yeah. Um, Great toe point, like straight together. Like she doesn't have built-in deductions. So she's definitely someone that we would recommend. Yeah, someone who I think definitely was under the radar going into the season. But I think as season goes on, more and more people are going to start to know her name and really catch on to just how great she is. Absolutely. And then... You know, from this meet in general, I I think both teams struggled. It was definitely not the meet that either EMU or CMU wanted. Well, EMU was actually, I feel like, shaping up to have a good meet. They were. They (laughs) They were completely lost it on the last rotation, which was four. Yeah, they were on track for like a 195 plus score before they got to four. And they unfortunately had to count two falls. I honestly want to say something was up with the four because CMU also counted three falls on floor. Yeah. So maybe the floor was just cursed. Yeah, we should just blame the floor. Totally. I'm on board with that. (laughs) I'm cool with that explanation. But, you know, obviously it's still early in the season. And I think that the teams, both these teams have so much potential. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, You know, scoring in like the 192, 193 range is definitely not the kind of caliber that these teams are. These are like 195 level teams, sometimes even 196. So they're definitely going to be expecting more from themselves as the season goes on. And, you know, I think that we would expect that from them too. But I'm not worried about them, you know. Oh, no, like you said, it's so early that everyone's kind of just getting back out there, working out the little kinks, figuring out their lineups. They'll be good. So the next meet that we tuned into was Arkansas versus Auburn. And this was another exciting, super close meet. Yes, very close. So Auburn ended up getting the win, 
with a 197.250 to Arkansas's 197.2. So it was so, so close. And I think Arkansas was really excited about that because they were competing in Bud Walton for the first time in front of a record-breaking crowd. Yeah, there was 10,345 people there, which I do want to preface that by saying we are not celebrating attendance records this season. We are pointing them out because I, I think it was incredible that they were competing in this bigger arena for the first time and they were able to bring so many people in, but I also am acknowledging that during COVID, you know, sometimes I'm questioning if we should even have fans in the stands. Yeah, so it's, it's a weird of, thing to celebrate. Yeah, it's like a, part of me is like happy about it because I feel like Jordan Weaver is doing an incredible job with growing that program, building interest, and really demanding that her athletes be taken seriously. And there was people on Twitter, I don't know exactly who it was, not that I want to give this person credit, but there was some guy on Twitter, and I'm sure a lot of you saw oh, it. Oh, the, the men were angry about yeah, it. Yeah, that basically saying that like gymnastics should not be in Bud Wallen. You know, it's like reserved for basketball or whatever. And I think this meet kind of hopefully prove them wrong. Like, uh, look how many gymnastics fans there are. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, there is a part of me that's like, oh, this is like cool for them. And I'm glad they were able to go out there and prove that like people do care about gymnastics. There is an interest in it and they deserve that attention. Yeah. But I'm also like, COVID. I know. I'm like 10,000 people all in a room together. Sounds really scary right now. So yeah, yeah definitely celebrating attendance records this season is a little bit weird. Cause like there is a part of you like in a non COVID life. You, you you're want excited to for that. It. Yeah. But then it's also like, can we like hold off on this and do this when there's not a pandemic going on? Right. <laughs> can we just like hold this for a minute? It is what it is at this rate. So let's talk highlights of the competition. I think Somebody that's on both of our list has to be Maggie O'Hara on bars. Yes. She is a queen. We were really, really, really rooting for her to get a 10. We actually tweeted it beforehand. We were just manifesting the 10 vibes for her. I was feeling it. Yeah. Like, the energy in the arena, just the way things were going. Like, this was her time to get a 10. I, I totally felt it. I was pretty confident because she's really consistent. Like, she... We've talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, since going to Arkansas, she's really just flourished and almost become a completely different athlete than what we saw when she was at Michigan. Mm -hmm. And she's so consistent, so good. I mean, she's angry in that bar lineup and she's capable of, you know, perfection or near perfection every single time she goes out there. Yeah. And I was really, really hoping for the 10. I wouldn't have been mad at all if that routine got a 10. Someone did point out and going back and looking at it, I guess... I guess it's true. You're like, uh, she whatever. Was, she was a little bit past the handstand on the half pirouette going into her Jaeger. So the 995 that she got, you could say is accurate. But given, as we will go on to explain in the rest of this podcast, and as I'm sure you all know and don't even need us to explain, judging in college gymnastics is wacky, and sometimes people get scores even though they get, let me, let me rewind. Sometimes they get scores. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, well, I was starting to say something else, but let me say, sometimes people get tens or nine, nine, seven fives when there are in fact obvious deductions in the routine. So I don't know what standards we should be operating on at this point, but since <laughs> everything's kind of going off the rails, I feel like we're just going to operate under like, tens for everyone. if it was relatively like perfect looking, let's just give it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the judges are doing. So given the standards of other 10s this season or other 9.875s this season, Maggie's was a 10. Yeah, because if you're seeing like Oklahoma and Florida getting 10s for routines that weren't necessarily perfect, then you have somebody doing a routine that actually was, you could argue, close to perfect and that doesn't go 10. I'm like, 
Ah, it justice. Just, it does justice make, from Reggie O'Hara. Yeah, it do, just doesn't make sense. And, I mean, that's a conversation for a different podcast because we could go on and on about the judging right. in college gymnastics. But definitely, either way, the judging's out of her control. What's in her control is what she does on the competition floor. And every time she goes out there, she's nailing those routines. And she should be so proud of herself. Another highlight for me was the debut of Leah Smith, yes. the freshman. She yes. did all around. Definitely wasn't her best me. I think that in some areas... Yeah, she has little areas that she can improve. And yeah, like on beam, you know, she it wasn't a perfect routine. She got a nine six seven five, so definitely capable of more on that event. But I mean, for her first college gymnastics meet, doing all four events, I think she did really good, and I think she showed how much star potential she has. Yeah, she's someone that I think as the season goes on, we're gonna gonna see more and more from her. That's super impressive. She's gonna be so good. And I really feel like she could do more difficultly than what she's doing. Like, her fall on vault is so incredibly high. Oh, yeah. That I wonder if she's ever trained a one and a half or a double. I'm sure she's had above at some point. But in preseason, she really just seemed to be sticking with the fall. And it's a great fall. But I'm like, dang, like, they could really squeeze a ton of start value out of that. Yeah. And they might need it now that Cammy Weaver went down. She had a, what appeared to be, like, a hyperextended knee injury after her vault. She's a beautiful vaulter and actually someone that I thought was going to be incredible for Arkansas, possibly as an all-rounder this season. And she does a Yurchenko one and a half. Yeah, so it was really unfortunate to see her go down. We don't really know at this point in time the extent of her injury. Like I said, it, it appeared like she, like, hyperextended her knee, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping means that it's not a season-ending injury, maybe within a couple weeks or a month or even by this postseason, yeah. hopefully she'll be okay. Yeah, I don't know what the recovery timeline is on an injury like that, but... I don't either, but the fact that she was able to get up, at least, afterwards and walk, I, I you know, she wasn't, like, carried out, so... Right. But Leah Smith, incredible all-around athlete. It was a good debut for her, and I'm really excited, like I said before, just to see how she continues to grow as season progresses. Yeah, I think she's going to get better and better as the season goes on. And she's somebody who can clearly go 9-9 plus in every event. Uh, maybe just a little bit of nerves, and I don't blame her. It's like her first college meet. There's a huge crowd, and it was really close, too. You know, they're kind of, Auburn and Arkansas were kind of neck and neck the whole time. So yeah. there probably was a little bit of pressure there and nerves, but I think she handled it well. And, you know, as the season goes on, she's just going to get better and better. Somebody else who honestly probably helped to draw in such a big crowd was obviously Suni Lee, Olympic all-around champion. And she did floor for the first time. Which I was really surprised by. Busted out a double layout, and it was beautiful. I was... I didn't know what to expect from her coming into the season just because of, you know, her kind of unexpectedly winning the all-around title at the Olympics, and then she went on Dancing with the Stars, and she's just, she's had so much going on in her life. She seems like she has a very chaotic life lately. I know. I can't but wonder if she's overwhelmed. I really get the impression, even just based off things that she said, like, she'll occasionally do, like, a Q&A on Instagram, and, you know, someone will ask, like, how her mental health is, and she'll kind of allude to the fact that she's, like, been better, or she's not that great right right now so I do kind of get the impression that she's been really overwhelmed yeah and uh, she's handling herself really well and she keeps showing up and like doing the job well if she's super incredible yeah if she's overwhelmed it's definitely not showing when she's on the competition floor because 
yeah, she looks as great as ever. Like, you would never guess that she's, like, massively overwhelmed or has, like, all these things on her plate. Also, I mean, this is obvious, but we didn't mention it. Like, also just the fact that she's a college student. Like, she's balancing that, too. Right, like, right. We're talking about all these other outside obligations that she's doing, but it's like she's also a college student. Yeah, now. and there's there's the pressure that comes with, you know, now being SUNY Lee, the Olympic champion, and she has all these eyes on her. I mean, I have a feeling that any meet that Auburn is at this season is going to draw in a record crowd because a lot of people want to see SUNY, which is great. It's great for the growth of gymnastics. It is, but it also puts a lot of pressure on her. And I guess I'm just impressed with how she's delivering. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect from her given all those circumstances. I'll but... be honest with you. I kind of feel like we underestimated her a little bit. Not because she's not good. Like, that wasn't what the thing was. We weren't saying that she wasn't going to be good. I think we just didn't know. I thought she was going to need a break. Yes. Like, or physically, the... mentally, in some way that she was going to need a break. Or the coaches would you know, like force her to take a break or something. And I thought for sure that we'd see her on bars and beam. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that we were going to see her on floor, possibly even at all this season, but here she is the second week, not only doing floor, but doing it really, really well and doing a difficult tumbling pass, like a double layout. And, and that's something that we're not seeing from a lot of the athletes. Like mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of two pass routines, uh, routines that don't have an e-pass to start, which is fine. That's allowed, but it is nice and exciting to have those big tumbling passes, like a double layout. I feel like we're not seeing that as much anymore in college gymnastics. So yeah. shout out to SUNY. <laughs> also on that note, on beam, she does an aerial layout, step out, layout, step out. And I'm pretty positive. I saw someone say this on Twitter, and I don't know if it actually ended up being confirmed or not. But to my knowledge as well, she's the only gymnast to actually do an aerial layout, step out, layout, step out in college. We've seen people do aerial back handspring, step out. We've seen people do aerial layout, step out. But I don't think we've seen anyone actually do two layout, step outs connected out of the aerial. So... That's really impressive as well. She's bringing the difficulty, and she just looks like she's in her element at Auburn, and that makes me really, really happy for her. One of the biggest meets of the weekend was the Oklahoma-Utah meet. It was another super close competition that came down right until the last rotation. It ended up being Utah on top with a 197.775 to Oklahoma's 196.65. And Oklahoma definitely gave it away on beam in the end. Well, I shouldn't say gave it away because I, I feel like implies that like they were a shoe-in for the win. And I feel like coming in, I actually had Utah out on top anyways. Mm-hmm. But Oklahoma... Oklahoma had a count a fall on beam in the last rotation and I feel like last week we did, we actually didn't get to talk about it because we recorded our episode on Saturday of last week so we missed the Oklahoma Alabama meet so I, I guess this is the first time we're talking about Oklahoma this season but they also struggled on beam the previous week I think they had a count like a 9-6 from Carrie Thomas on beam yeah and Reagan Smith fell as well last week yeah and then this week they counted a fall so This is a team that I feel is very capable of doing beam when they can get it all together, but so far this season, and it's early on, but we just haven't seen that from them, and And I I feel like they were in it until the end. They went to beam, Utah was on floor, and it was basically over at that point. And it's unusual, I feel like, to see Oklahoma not come out of the gates super, super strong at the beginning of the season. They're usually kind of like that team. Yeah. That makes sense. Where they're always number one or number two in the nation. I think a lot of people see them that way. And for the last couple of years now, they've been so consistent and they come out right from the beginning and they make a statement like they're the team that people are chasing. They're the team to be. Yeah. And this is the first season in 
a while where they're not only necessarily making that statement that they're the team to beat, but they're also trailing three other teams at this point. Because right now, Oklahoma's fourth in the nation. And I'm not saying that they can't, you know, bounce back from this or that they don't oh, have the they talent absolutely to. Will. Like, they have a good team. I think right now they're just struggling a little bit with some injuries. A lot of their key players or people that they were maybe expecting to be big for them this season are... MIA, like Maria Linker, the freshman. She was a, a big freshman coming in for them. Danielle Sievers, she's back on bars, but we haven't seen her on the other events yet. Don't know the extent of the injury there. but And then also, obviously, Olivia Troutman. She's always kind of like MIA through the regular season, but then shows up in the postseason and like get destroy, and destroys things <laughs> in a good way. But um, yeah, I think they're just struggling a little bit right now with trying to get the most out of their lineups. Yeah, for and, sure. Well, and I feel like, so what I have down here in my notes is I feel like they lack difficulty on floor and ball right now. Mm-hmm. We don't see any of those, like I said before, big E tumbling passes on floor. They kind of have some people in there that are a little bit inconsistent at times throughout their career. People who are new faces to the lineups, and that's the same with vault. We're seeing a lot more your chinkle fools from them, and then they have their one-two punch at the end with... Well, I guess Allie Stern. I guess maybe I shouldn't act like there's only two. There's Allie Stern, Kat Lavasser, and then Jordan Bowers. So they're three punch <laughs> at the end with the Yurchenko one and a half that are super great. Last week, Kat Lavasser and Allie Stern got tens, both of which I think were a little bit questionable. Yeah. Kat Lavasser, I would have possibly been okay with. Yeah, hers um, was definitely the, the better of the two. Allie Stern, um, especially from the angle, it was funny because Oklahoma actually tweeted an angle of her vault that made it so obvious the hop. <laughs> like, delete the tweet. Just turn just up and delete the tweet. Well, you know how it is. Like, sometimes, like, seeing vault from the side, for example, you don't see any leg separation. You don't see the arms on the table, really. If there's a tiny movement of the feet, I feel like when you're on the side, which is where the judges are at, and sometimes camera angles are at as well. You can't always see the deductions, but then when you go from that like front mm-hmm. angle where you're like head on with the table, you can really see a lot of those deductions. And yeah. so they posted it from that angle, <laughs> and it was like so obvious at that point that it wasn't a ton. And I'm like, oh no, it wasn't a ton. <laughs> you're not making the point you're trying to make, right? Like you're not doing this like ball any justice whatsoever. But either way, incredible vaulters. Not to undermine anything that they've done or saying that they are not incredible vaulters because. They definitely are. I think there's just room to grow for this team as the season goes on. And maybe that's a good thing. And that actually might help them. You know, when you're a team that's on the top all the time, there's this pressure that you have to maintain that position. You have to stay on top. Oh, yeah. It might be good for Oklahoma to kind of come down a little bit. And because kind of talking about that. Yeah, and kind of almost take the underdog role again. I think that maybe could be beneficial to them. I guess we'll see in the postseason. But at least that's how I'm thinking of it in my mind. This was the first time we should probably know that Oklahoma has lost a meet in the regular season since they lost to Florida in 2018. Which is pretty wild. And honestly, okay, that's that's sad for them that they finally, like, had to lose that streak. But Utah deserved it. Well, they did, but also just to give Oklahoma some credit, like, the fact that they even had a streak like that going where they hadn't lost in the regular season since 2018 yeah. is, like, really incredible. So round of applause to them because they dominated college gymnastics for a pretty, pretty good stretch there. And they're still in the mix. You know, they haven't, not to, like, shade a team like Georgia or anything, but it's not like they're on top and they went, like, way down. They're still in it. You know, to be the number four team in the nation is definitely not a bad thing. And most teams would love to be in that position. Right. So 
there's there's redeeming factors with this team. They have a lot of talent on the team this year, and a lot of people that aren't in the lineups that maybe hopefully fingers crossed could be or will be. And someone like Jordan Bowers, like I feel like we haven't actually seen the best from her yet. Yeah. She fell on her vault in week one, and then week two she got a nine nine seven five on vault, which also want to point out. Reagan Smith basically did the same thing. She fell on beam day one day one week one <laughs> and then got a 9975 week two so like this is a theme for Oklahoma where they fall but then they come back the next week and get 9875 right it's a trend but Jordan Bowers I feel I just want to like give her a shout out because she's incredible her double pike on floor is so huge oh my gosh what are the, the best that I've seen yeah like way up in the rafters <laughs> so so much potential there and and she's fierce on floor yeah I don't quite know how I feel about I'll use choreography yet but you gotta give it to Jordan Bowers because she like commits to it, mm-hmm. and she just has this look of intensity in her eyes that I'm I'm just here for it. She's really dramatic and like she's oh she pulls you in. <laughs> she milks it for everything that it's worth. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait to see what she does in the future because I think that she is going to be definitely in contention for the all around title at nationals. Yeah, and I think that's big for Oklahoma because they did lose Anastasia Webb, and we mentioned this in our you know, pre-season discussion of the NCAA season. Oklahoma was one of the only teams that lost, like, their big all-arounder. A lot of teams are returning some of their best girls, and they lost Anastasia Webb, who obviously is the reigning NCAA all-around champion, but... Big shoes to fill. Yeah, but I think Jordan Bowers, you know, it's a lot to put that on a freshman, but I do feel like she is capable of stepping right in there and kind of filling the Anastasia Webb role. Like, she is that good coming into college gymnastics. Yeah, like, score-wise, she's capable of getting pretty much the same scores as big 9975s, 995s, even 10s on every single event. Yeah. How did you feel about the scoring at this meet in general? Do you feel like it was pretty fair? Um... I feel like it was high at some points, also low at some points, yeah. and that's my feeling about a lot of the meets that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> that's the story of college gymnastics. Which, yeah, it is, truly. That's honestly what it is. It's like, you can always go back and find routines that are like getting 9975s or 10s, and I'm like, mm. It's a little generous. And then there's some times where a routine will go like 99 or 9925, and I'm like, eh, I would have probably gone a little bit higher on that. Yeah. For example, Cindy Solosky on floor, mm-hmm. she got a 9925, and I thought, and someone just tell me if I'm wrong, like maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in my assessment of this, but it was one of the best routines that I'd seen her do on floor. Yeah. And with the way scoring was going yeah. on that night with Grace McCallum getting a 9975, I thought for sure that Sydney and Jaden Rucker had the potential to go 10 if they yeah. hit their routine, and they both did, and they both got 9925s, which I thought was interesting. This is my problem with college gymnastics, and it's a lot harder to make sense of it when it's happening in the same meet. You know, you can't really compare meet to meet. Like, you can't say, well, if Florida, they're doing this, they gave this a 10, why wasn't this a 10? Like, you can't really do that because it's not the same judges, but when it's the same meet, you kind of have to wonder, like, okay, you know, one of the judges clearly gave Grace McCallum a 10 on floor when she has flexed feet, and this is not trying to shade Grace at all, because she's obviously phenomenal, and her floor routine was really good. Yeah. But she has built-in deductions that you would think the judges are going to take. Clearly one of them didn't. So then you look at Sydney Slosky, and she has built-in deductions as well. Like, she has a little bit of form in the air and a double layout. Yeah, bent knees. Yeah, so you would say, like, okay... 
would you give her a 10 with those built-in deductions? You would think no, but then they're giving other people 10s with built-in deductions. So then it's so like, then, oh, yes. So, <laughs> so, so are we taking built-in deductions or not? There's, it's just not consistent. I yeah. guess is what I'm getting at. Hopefully that makes sense. No, totally. It does to me. Yeah, you're saying like, I wouldn't look at Sydney and think that like, that's a 10 hour routine. Honestly, I wouldn't. She's great on floor. She's so consistent. And I think given other people that have gotten 10s for certain routines, she also deserves one. But I hate that we're at this point with college gymnastics because it shouldn't be that way. It should be, these are the deductions. The judges take the deductions. There's some people, honestly, that never should score a 10 because no, I, they have built deductions. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, college gymnastics just isn't that way, and it's getting worse and worse as the years goes on. Um, and it's just frustrating, I guess, when you're looking at one meet and you have people with built-in deductions getting near-perfect scores, and then you have Sydney, who also has built-in deductions, not getting that same treatment. Time after time. Yeah. She's done a lot of really great floor routines. I know she's one that really, really wants to get a 10. She's, she put out a tweet over the weekend saying that she's manifesting it for herself after what happened with Night Reed, which yeah. we got to. So I'm hoping for that for her as well, because I think that she's an incredible floor worker. And at that particular meet, I thought that they for sure were going to go for the 10, and they I, didn't. Yeah, so. I thought it was coming, and, and yeah, it didn't. Jordan Bowers, we mentioned already, she got a 9975 on vaults. I think that was a little bit high as well. Um, one 9975 that I was okay with was Reagan Smith on beam. It was a great beam routine, really solid. I'm obsessed with her straddle half to backhand swing, swing down. Such a lovely combo. Yeah, I could watch that on loop all day long. Um, I, I watched her routine over a couple times, and I didn't have any you know, concerns with the 9975. Like, I was pretty content with that routine. No major deductions. You know, that could have gone 10, in my opinion, as well. So um, there was definitely some routines that made sense score-wise. I think there was definitely some routines that did not make sense score-wise. And that's that's the life of, you know, college gymnastics and watching college gymnastics. I also wanted to give a shout-out to Utah's Beam. We did last week as well, but they went 49-475. The highlight of the night was the entire beam rotation, and they did that without Kara Aker, who, by the way, we have an update on. She actually has a sprained ankle. So she's out for a couple weeks, will be back, which is super exciting and great news for Utah because they could definitely use her on at least beam and I would also say floor probably. Mm -hmm. But yeah, good to know that it wasn't a season ending injury. For sure. But Utah's beam, I feel like I've said this before because we said it last week, we said it in our preview episode. They're just so good. This beam team is like chef's kiss. I love it from start to finish. Miley O'Keefe pretty much always deserves a 10 in my opinion because she's so dang good. <laughs> so definitely the top team in the nation on that event and we saw why this past weekend. Well speaking of top team in the nation, Michigan, obviously we, of course we were at Michigan versus Arizona State and Michigan comes in after the second week of competition, the number one team in the nation again. And I think it's proving to people why they're the number one team. And truly, I think Michigan looks the best right now of all the teams. Oh, yeah. I said that yesterday. I think that if season were to end right now, Michigan would be the national champion, I think. Yeah. They are postseason shape on three out of the four events. Um, we talked last week a little bit about Beam, and that's definitely the one event where I get a little bit scared watching Michigan. It's not because they're not good. They definitely can be good. 
But if there's any event where there's uncertainty, it's on that event. Yeah. Well, and that that was the <laughs> event where, you know, me and Brittany were on 198 watch the whole night trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, what do they need on this event? What do they need to do? Are they on track? Well, they went so big on vault. They got, I don't know the exact score off the top of my head, but it was like a 49.6 something. So, you know, in my mind, 49.5 on every rotation is 198 pace. Yeah. So when you start out going... 49.6, whatever it was, because it was 49.6 something. That means that you could theoretically go lower on one of your other rotations and still be on one and eight pace. Yes. Yeah. Well, in Michigan, on beam, <laughs> end up having to count the nine six seven five from Raina Gugino in the leadoff spot, but they still posted the highest score in the nation, a one nine seven nine five zero, which pains me to think about as a Michigan fan because. If they would have just counted like a normal beam routine, like a nine eight or like yeah. a nine eight two five. Well, Reyna went nine eight two five the week before, so if you would have taken that, like they would have been over one nine eight, which is just so amazing to think that Michigan is now at this point where that's the expectation for that. Yeah, because where before it was like we were like hoping and praying and crossing our fingers that they were going to do it, and now it's like almost like the expectation is that you expect that they're going to at the very least get a high one nine seven yeah. score. Yeah, I remember the days. When Michigan used to start the season with like a low one nine six, and that was like a big deal. Yeah. Like we were pumped about that. And y'all got to remember, Michigan just scored one and eight for the first time ever last season. And of course, they ended up doing it multiple times. But it was like basically at the end of the season, yeah, postseason. They joined the one and eight club just last year, so this is like a new thing for Michigan, and, and it's new for us as fans as well. Which is why we're always like raving about it and like going off the rails on Twitter because we're just so excited still and it's still very new for us even as fans to be fans of like the winning team and like the team that's at the top of the ranks like we're just not used to this as Michigan fans. We were just talking about this on the car ride back to our apartment just how different things are like we get on Twitter and everyone's talking about Michigan and I remember the days when it was just me and you on Twitter talking about Michigan and nobody else. Right. And it was that way for a very long time. You know, and us getting excited about a one nine six, like that's a good start to the season. Well, the fact that we were qualified to nationals was exciting to me. Like I would just be praying that we qualified to nationals, and if we did, we were like elated. Yeah. And the expectation, I feel like, is slowly starting to change, which is what happens when you win a national title. And that's not to put pressure on the girls, obviously, but like that is just what happens once you reach that top. You know what you're capable of now, and that starts to become like the new expectation. Yeah. But it's so nice to see them not cracking under that pressure. Yes. Like there is a lot of pressure on them this season, and they seem to just be thriving in it. And they seem... They're, like, in their own world. Yeah. And I think that, you know, from talking to a lot of the girls on the team, they told us this. And I don't think they're lying because I think we're seeing it out on the competition floor. Like, they're not trying to put the pressure on themselves and think that we have to win. We have to go one and eight. We have to do this. They're just enjoying themselves they're having fun in the gym they're having fun on the competition floor and they like to challenge themselves by saying okay this is what we did last week what can we do this week right constantly trying to beat themselves and what they have done previously they see themselves as their competition like they are their biggest competition and i don't know Maybe it's just us, but I feel like when I watch them, I can see that when they're out on the competition floor. Yeah. That they're truly just competing against themselves, and they're not really letting the pressure or the expectations get to them. And I think that's why they're doing so well. And part of the reason why they're getting, you know, this big score so early in the season really is because vault and floor, they're lights out. They're number one in the nation after week two on both those events. You can just sit back and watch them and just relax because they're you just know they're going to hit. It's so much fun to watch on vault, especially. Well, floor too, but for me, like sitting back and watching them start the meet out on vault, 
It's a matter of, like, how many balls are they going to stack. Yeah. It's not like, oh, my God, let's see how many one and a halfs they're going to have this week. Or let's see, like, let's hope this person gets it around. It's literally, like, let's sit back and cross our hands and just sit here and wait and see, like, who sticks. Because <laughs> right. Like, the chances that half the lineup is going to stick or come close to sticking is very, yeah. very high. Well, and they all have at multiple points in their career. Literally the entire – sorry, now we're going off. On, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> we're clearly still stoked about Michigan. But their entire – allotment of athletes so like the entire lineup and then also the person that they would have likely in the wings which is abby brenner have pretty much all scored 9975 in the past like they all have career they, highs of 9975 or 10 with yeah. the exception of reyna who has a 995 and gabby done. wilson right yeah has gabby wilson ever got 9975 she did this past week she got a 995 this past week yeah she ever got 9975 no, i thought okay. you were saying 995 so we have basically all either 10s 9975s and then we have two 995s right <laughs> So it's, like, casual. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a good point. Abby Brenner hasn't been in the vault lineup, and she has a career high of 9975 on vault. So, yeah, they're all capable of sticking that ball. Like you said, it's really just a matter of, like, how many? Okay, who's gonna, who wants to stick today? Like, yeah. is anyone in the mood for a stick? Uh, they're just so great. They're great on floor two. They're great on bars. Um, you know, you touched on this a little bit already. Beam is the biggest question mark, and it's not that they're not good, because they are good. Um, I think the first half of the lineup is you just got to get a little more consistent, more confident. Well, because they're new to the lineup. Like, yeah. Reyna and Naomi, this is their first season doing beam. So you have two completely new faces to the lineup. And they're doing good. Like, they're not coming off the beam, and that's impressive. No, yeah. It's, no one has even fallen yet so far this season. And I know the day will come. Somebody will fall at some point. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But, like, it's not like they're falling apart on beam. They're just kind of, like, they have a couple, like, subpar scores. And then the back end usually comes through. But I feel like if they're going to be, you know, in contention to win that title again, they do need to get beam figured out because you can't go into a national final and have a couple subpar beam scores. I mean, granted, they did last year, and they still were able to pull it out because they were so strong on the other events. And because the last three in that lineup also went, like, lights out. Like, almost 10 level. (laughs) But you don't want to rely on that. You don't want to have to put yourself in that position again. Like, yes, it was a great way for them to win, but... We definitely don't want to go into this season and really be set up in the same way to yeah. have to rely on being so great on the other three events. You can swallow a low beam score. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think we're really feeling the loss of Carly Bauman at this point. Yeah. Because she was in the beam lineup last year and was really consistent. She was the leadoff and she was good for like a 9-8-5-ish score in the leadoff spot. But she was looking so good this year and it kind of just hurts knowing that like beam is the event we're struggling on right now. And we need her. Well, I shouldn't say struggling. Because we're not struggling, but it's, just it's definitely us. the weakest of the four. Um, and we could definitely use Carly back. But looking at what we have, I mean, I'm saying we as if I'm on the team. You're like, I'm a part of this. <laughs> Michigan. Let me, yeah, let me backtrack. I'm not a part of the team. I mean, I'm sure you guys know that. I'm not a Michigan gymnast. <laughs> we sometimes like to think that we are. <laughs> just kidding. But Reyna, Gabby, Naomi, they're, they're the ones that have been competing. Nicoletta has exhibition. And I could see her in the lineup at some point. Those are kind of the options that Michigan is working with. So I think it's just a matter of finding what's going to work. I would like to see how Nico does in the lineup, though. She did really good in her exhibition this past week. Yeah, she has a beautiful routine and does some skills that you don't normally see in college gymnastics. So she's a fun one. Hoping to maybe see her a little bit later in the season. 
how did you feel about the scoring of this meet, just in general, since we're kind of talking about that for all the teams? Yeah, I mean, same thing. Um, some routines that were high, some routines that I feel like were a little bit low. Overall, I'm not mad about it. Like, for example, Natalie on vault and beam, she got 9975, obviously really close to getting a time. But if I'm being completely honest, when I was watching it in the arena, you knew. I knew that it, well, it shouldn't have gone time, at least, right? maybe I'll say. Yeah. Um, the dismount on both of them. Yes, like the like separation. Yeah. And that's not to say that Natalie isn't capable of perfection, because duh, clearly she is. She has times on both those events. Um, but even her bar dismount, too. Like, that routine, her bar routine, was one of the best that I had seen her ever do. Like, as she was going through it, like, she brought her feet together on her delchev. Normally, she has a little bit of a separation. She was hitting her handstands. It was shaping up to be a perfect time routine. And then she did her double layout, came out of it just a little bit too quick. I would like to see her stick and kind of, like, hold that position to yeah. really show it off. I think she kind of, like, slung it out a little bit too far. And you could tell, like, she did stick the landing, but it wasn't... It wasn't perfection. Yeah, she could have got a little bit more height on it and got her feet under her to stick, like, right on top of her feet rather than, like, slinging it out, if that Which makes sense. Which she normally does. Like, the routine itself, the bar routine itself, was the best that I had seen her do, but the dismount was not the best that she was capable of doing. So, therefore, you know, not perfect. Um, same thing with her beam dismount. I noticed that she stuck it, but she had a little bit of, like, a stagger in her legs. Me and Ashley looked at each other right away, and we're like, ah, like, yeah, there goes it was, the 10. It was a 10 up until that point. Yeah. And Natalie was going for the all-around program record at Michigan. Yes. Up until 4, she needed a, what did we say it was? A 9925 like, to tie it, a 995 to, to break the record. Yeah, and that was set by Beth Weimer, Elise Ray, and Sarah Kane. Yeah, so a pretty, pretty historic list of people within the University of Michigan who have done pretty much all of the incredible things in the They've program done all records. The and, yeah, so, and Natalie is definitely capable of being up there and in my opinion she should be up there by the time she leaves here but yeah she ended up going out of bounds getting a 9775 so wasn't her best of course but she'll get there someday I'm sure she has plenty of time this season yeah same thing as far as scoring though with um Abby Brenner on floor um even Gabby Wilson Gabby Wilson needed a 10 on floor for Michigan to go 1 and 8 and we were hoping for it but the way she was definitely she, set up to do it for sure um, but the way that she landed her first and her last pass, it was good. And actually, I feel like the stream didn't really show up in person. I could see it. She landed with, like, I'm not going to be able to explain this She was, out. obviously, you're supposed to land and then step backwards with one foot to show, like, a controlled lunge. She landed and then moved both of her feet. So one foot went forward, one went back at the same time, rather than, like, landing, then stepping. Yeah. It wasn't as controlled as it could have been. It was very, like, whoa. Like, she, she moved both of her feet at the same time and just, like, caught the landing kind of. And it was good. And, like, it still deserved a big score. But, again, one of those things where we're watching and I'm like, that shouldn't go 10. Yeah. And it didn't. I'm not saying that it did. I just, th those were moments where I feel like we were being set up to get 10s and we were giving if it If it away. was in Florida, she would have got a 10. For but. sure. For <laughs> sure. Um, Abby Brenner on floor. She got a 995, which is a career high for her. Great routine. She's super consistent. I love her routine. But a little bit high, I feel. She, yeah, her full end, she almost always lands with her chest down. So, well, on flex feet, staggered feet in the air. It's kind of like what we talked about with Utah. The, the built in deductions. Mm -hmm. um, do you take them? Do you not? Who knows anymore? <laughs> yeah. So, to answer your question, yes. Definitely some scores that I felt were a little bit too high. Um, some that I would say were a little bit low and I would have gone higher. And that's on the ASU side too. Yeah. 
Um, I do want to give a shout out to ASU because they had their highest season opening score in program history with a one nine six two seven five. So I feel like so many teams are doing that. Yeah, and so it makes me so happy. Well, especially impressive for them given that they missed the first two meets of the season due to COVID protocols. And you know, we talked to head coach, well, co-head coach Jessica Santos that week and it kind of sounded like she wasn't sure how they were going to do because they had a lot of their key contributors from last season not competing whether it was due to injury or because of you know covid protocols um a lot of people out of the lineups a lot of new faces stepping in and their lineups were almost entirely new faces yes a lot of people that we haven't seen before we've seen only just a handful of times or in exhibition spots really having to step up and you know also kind of working back the endurance after missing practice because a lot of the girls did miss several days of practice. I think she said five days of practice yeah. um, that week due to COVID protocols. So they were pretty so. much just getting back in the gym by the time that it was time to leave. And, you know, some of the girls were still having to train with masks on. So yes. and that affects endurance a little bit. Yeah. So it was nice to see them rise to the occasion. Obviously, Hannah Scharf, she killed it. She went 9.85 or higher in every event, which gave her an all-around score of 39.475. So... Just being a queen as always. Love to see it. And then the freshman, Alex Theodoro, was incredible. I was so impressed with her. Her vault went 9-9. And I gasped when I saw it. Because where we were sitting was right by the vault. So we had a great view of it. Super high. She really does have good form. And I feel like that's a hard vault to yeah. get really that high execution score on. Because like for Grace, for example. Like flex feet, leg separation. Eh. It's one of those things where with the execution, you don't necessarily think that it's going to score high. I didn't know how it was going to score, but I saw the 9-9 and I was like, oh, okay. Yes, and I was so happy about it because I feel like that was one of the best Yurchenko half-on, half-off vaults that I've seen. Mm-hmm. It is a hard vault to do well and also have it score high, so... Yeah, so for her college debut to get a 9-9, it's kind of like, okay, girl, (laughs) we see you. And then Floor as well. She has a really high full end, super impressive tumbling. She's someone that is just going to continue to develop as she goes on. She did not do beam, and a lot of people were kind of like wondering what was going on with that. She wasn't slated to do beam from the start because we got the lineup sent to us because we were supposed to be doing the broadcast. And they had it where she was warming up, but she wasn't actually going to be competing, and that is you know what ended up happening happening so um she's doing beam she's just not competing in it for whatever reason we we don't know Um, maybe later in the season though yeah for sure i would think and then the only other update that we really got which we said this on twitter but we'll say it here in case you missed it anaya smith she is one of their big vaulters and she's expected to be back they're hoping by the end of this month she was seen in a boot at their december exhibition and a lot of people didn't really know why um, they weren't really able to give us like any reasons of you know, why or any injury updates. Yeah, very pretty... tight-lipped. <laughs> For sure. But Jess Santos did say that they were hoping to have her back by the end of the month, which is great news for us as gymnastics fans because her ball is incredible and also great news for ASU because they could definitely use that big ball and that big score. We also watched MSU that night, and I was impressed with them all across the board. 
Yeah, really all four events. And they're without one of their top athletes, Nia Smith. Yeah. And Leah Mitchell wasn't doing the all-around. So there definitely is a couple people there that can bring in really big scores for them that weren't in the lineups. But So for them to go out and really be as phenomenal as they were across the board, I was super impressed by. Yeah. And I was really... I mean, I don't know how you felt, but my standout from that meet, I think, would be Floor. I was so impressed with the e-tumbling passes. Delaney Harkness was doing a tucked full in. Skyla Schulte was doing a tucked full in. Was there somebody else? I feel like, did Bailey Garcia? There was somebody else, I think, that did. Maybe. Either way. Either way, they're increasing difficulty. Their choreography is great. Alina Cartwright did the choreography. They mentioned that on the broadcast. And it was really, really good. Like, everyone pays attention to UCLA's choreography. And I kind of feel like... Michigan State's reminded me of UCLA's a little bit. Yeah, just like in the performance quality. Yeah, the different styles. Like everyone has a routine that kind of suits them and they perform it well. Uh, It was just nice to see. Skyla Schulte's routine is incredible. If you haven't seen it, you guys need to go check it out. So high energy. I'm like, how do you even do this? She did not (laughs) have to go that hard for us, but she did. (laughs) Like, just go watch it. Her routine is incredible. I don't know how she tumbles like that, but then also goes so hard on the dance. Yeah, that's so hard to do. It It was phenomenal. So go check out her routine. I also really like Delaney Harkness's, so go watch hers too. Um, But just overall, I was really impressed with Michigan State. I think that they're going to be in the mix for the evening session at Big Tens. They were, you know, the last couple of seasons, I feel like they've been slowly on the rise and the COVID has kind of just ruined things for them. Yeah, they've had a really rough go the last couple of years with COVID. Yeah, because last season they competed in what, like two meets and then they basically had their season canceled. Yeah. So they weren't even at Big Tens last year, but they're definitely a team that's on the up and up. And, yeah, I can see them being absolutely in the evening session at Big Tens this year. I personally view them as one of the best teams in the Big Tens. Yeah. And that hasn't always been the case. They've always been kind of just like, yeah, there's Michigan State. Like, they're there. Um, But they're really stepping it up this season. And I'm really excited to see what they do. The last note from Saturday's competitions Want to just give a shout out to Jade Carey, obviously from Oregon State. We didn't end up watching the last two rotations of that meet because it was late and we were getting tired. Yeah, because it started at like 10 o'clock our time and then the meet was just going really slow. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. And we knew we could catch up with it in the morning and we were pleasantly surprised. Maybe not surprised. No, definitely not surprised. We were, Is that the right word? Okay, we were pleasantly affirmed and how great <laughs> Jade Carey is. Yeah, honestly, why did I say surprised? I think my brain is just like going and I'm talking. And you're but, on like autopilot mentally. Yeah. You're like, we're pleasantly surprised. And you're like, wait, I wasn't surprised actually. That's not I what I was that. trying to say. I think I'm just trying to say that I woke up and I was like, yeah, we didn't expect anything less. Yeah. Like I went to bed knowing and we have Jade Carey on our fantasy team. I, I tucked myself into bed that night. I was getting all like cozy and I'm just thinking about like the big scores that Jade Carey's bringing in as I'm falling asleep. <laughs> you're like, queen is off doing big things for my fantasy team while I'm in bed sleep. <laughs> like, sometimes I think me and Brittany, we we feel like we have to, like, watch our people to, like, will them through the routine and get them the big scores. Like they, we feel like we're, like, contributing to them somehow. <laughs> Is anybody else like that? Please tell me we're not the only ones. I, dead ass, convince myself that, like, my presence helps people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm partially joking, partially joking here. <laughs> but I really do feel like when I'm... If I'm rooting for an outcome, it happens. When I am rooting for somebody, they do really well. 
Like, I will say, you guys, we do kind of have a history. Like, we don't always vocalize it, but, like, we'll, me and Brittany will talk about things before me, and we'll say, like, like, we want this to happen, this to happen, and this to happen, and it almost always does. So I'm like, who's manifesting things? <laughs> me. <laughs> Anyways, though. So, like, if we're watching, the chances that they're going to do greater is, like, high. Whereas if I go to sleep, I'm worried that they're not going to do well because they need my energy to, like, will them through. If that makes sense. The things we tell ourselves. But I went to bed having full confidence that Jade Carey was just going to slay the competition. Jade Carey doesn't need us. No. We need her. <laughs> yeah. She went 39-6-5-0 in her collegiate debut. She's currently third in the nation. I think she's tied for third in the nation. But, yeah. like, hello. Also, I want to talk about her bars yeah she went 995 i'm like the fact that was her highest scoring routine i know i'm like that's we would never have expected she's that. like vault and four specialist too yeah she's like i'm actually a bar queen right like, all around queen she did that routine and she's like take that 995 i'm a bars queen oh, she's so good <laughs> so good well i was excited to see her debut finally because that means that we have now had four out of the six members of the 2020 u.s olympic team competing in college and Jade Carey she had her season debut last week postponed because of COVID so to finally have her out there was super exciting it was much anticipated and I'm like wow this feels just so right like everything's right in the world we have all of our Olympians slaying the college classic scene can we just talk about that like how incredible is it that we have so much talent in the NCAA this year. The amount of Olympians that are coming in. It's unheard of. Yeah. And, like, the fact that we have the Olympic all-around champion, that's never happened before. The Olympic floor exercise champion, that's never happened before. Just as many Olympians in general. Hold on, let me get the number, because I did it for Inside Gymnastics, and I can give you that number. She's like, I did it for Inside Gymnastics, now I'm going to do it for you guys. (laughs) Okay, I got it. So there are nine Olympians that are freshmen. So we're not even just talking Olympians in the whole NCAA because there are more Olympians competing. This is just freshmen. Nine Olympic level freshmen coming in. Wild. So on like literally unheard of. So I guess I'll just name them real quickly just for anyone that might not know. Obviously, Suni Lee, Grace McCallum, Jordan Childs, Amelie Morgan, who was bronze team medalist for Great Britain, Brooklyn Moores, Jade Carey. And then I count the alternates as well. I don't know if you guys do, but I, I do. Yeah. Um, Leanne uh, Wan. Some people definitely don't, but whatever. We're going to end this list. So Leanne Wan, Kara Aker, and Emma Malibuyo, that makes the nine. So that's pretty impressive, and a lot of them are in the Pac-12 conference too. Like, which is literally all of them, right? Except for Leanne. Leanne and Suni. So oh, have- yeah. Oh, <laughs> duh. Yeah, Suni. <laughs> so we have two SEC the rest are Pac-12. Yes. <laughs> and that was just the freshman, like you said, which is, like, so crazy to me. And then also, like, don't forget about Riley McCusker competing. Yes. World champion. Uh, Morgan Hurd. Morgan, Morgan Hurd. <laughs> what? Morgan Hurd, technically world all around champion in the NCAA this year. She does count, even though she's injured and won't be competing. The tears are rolling down my face. Yeah, she has a torn ACL. So she just had her eighth surgery, I think she said. Um, so, of course, wishing her a speedy recovery because she's going to be a star when she comes back. But that's just adding to the list of incredible freshmen that are coming into college gymnastics this season. How blessed are we as gym fans? Oh, I love it. It's a blast. <laughs> well, 
So we mentioned Riley and Morgan. That's a good segue into Alabama, Florida. The first time we've ever had a regular season gymnastics meet broadcasted on ABC. Hello, giving gymnastics the attention it deserves. I am so hyped about this because, and we'll get into it, or maybe we'll get into it now because who knows, I might start going off the rails. You can get into it now. I, so there was some definite, definite overscoring in Florida's favor at this meet. Look, we've been really honest about this and open about this on this podcast. I'm not the biggest Bama fan considering what happened with Dana Duckworth, a lot of the people on that team, um, the racism against our former podcast guest, Tia Kiaku, and how that was handled and not really addressed. It has made it almost impossible. Not almost. It has made it literally impossible for me to root for that team, especially in an equality meet. Against Florida, yeah, I just I could not have them winning. <laughs> so, so you know how we talked about a couple minutes ago how we like tell ourselves we need this to happen, we need this to happen, we need this to happen. This we is... were doing that during this meet, and it was all somehow working out. But I'm going to take off my unbiased hat for a second, and I will say that I think Alabama was the better team that day. Florida was really underwhelming for me. Yeah, and that's not to say that Bama was great by any means. Um, because they definitely weren't really. I think both teams are pretty underwhelming at this point in time, but I think that Florida really got some help in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, because it came down to the last couple of routines, and again, you know, there were some tens being thrown that, sure, like, I guess if you're not, like, taking all the deductions that you should be taking, that, yeah, I guess it looks like a 10. Yeah. But there was definitely some deductions that should have been taken. And it feels like they didn't keep that same energy for Alabama on the beam. No. Like, Luisa Blanco, she got a 995. And also, I mean, props to her for doing a beam routine when the crowd was going crazy. Yeah, that's one thing I will say. I will give Luisa Blanco credit for that, is she definitely knows how to hit under pressure because that's not the first time that I've seen her in a pressure situation on beam and she goes up and she can just completely tune out everything that's going around her and do a nearly flawless routine. So I give her credit for that. I just, you know, if the judges were being consistent, you know, there was routines being scored way higher on floor and the energy was not maintained for Alabama on beam because you could argue that Luisa Blanca's routine should have been a 10. See, I don't, I'm fine with the 9 and 5 because I felt like she had a tiny little hop in place on her dismount. She might have. So I'm I'd not, have to go back I mean, sure, you could have gone 10, especially with the way that Florida was getting 10s for obvious deductions in their routines. Using that logic, sure, Blanco should have gone 10, but I think in general, there's an argument for why she also deserved the 9 and 5 and it was accurate. Yeah. Trinity Thomas on Vol finally got a 10, which means that she has a gym slam, which is super exciting, and we're super happy about that. There's been many times where she deserved it, like literally just the week before. That Vol, in my opinion, should have been a 10, or could right. have been a 10. So this week, the Vol wasn't a 10. Like, let's be real. I think we all know that. Um, her heels lifted off the ground. Yeah, she was really fighting to hold the stick. Yeah. not It wasn't perfect. I... <laughs> In my head, justified it because she, like we said, has done many perfect vaults in the past that could have gone 10. Literally last week, I would have possibly gone 10 for that one, and she didn't get it. So she's capable of doing perfection on that event, and now you could say that maybe this was just justice. Now we're at the point with gymnastics where if we've seen someone do perfect 10 routines before and they don't get a 10... 
we'll just give him a 10 at any point. And like, then we'll just, like, excuse it. Isn't that ridiculous? It is. It's totally ridiculous. I'm, and I know that there's a lot of gymnastics fans that have this problem. It kind of, it's hard to take gymnastics seriously when there really is nothing that you can do to, you know, even from the athlete's perspective. Like, sometimes it's just completely out of your control. Like, you can do the best routine you can possibly do and have it not go a 10. I said that weird. Not get a 10. Yeah. And then you can go out there and do a really good routine that wasn't perfect and then just get a 10 just because of where you're at and the circumstances. Well, and then everyone kind of shits on the gymnast. Like, you didn't deserve that. And it's like, yeah, it's not their fault. But it's also frustrating for the opposing team, whoever it is, because it was Bama this week. But let's be real, it's, this happens every week with a different team. So, yeah. um, it's, you know, it's, the meat comes down to that. And in this case, it literally did. And yeah. you take away one of those 10s for Trinity, whether it be floor or vault both of which in my opinion weren't true tens yeah i don't know um, if we actually ever got it out yet because now we're going off the rails no here, we talked about vol her last pass she had a huge lunge it was definitely like a tenth deduction worth lunge yeah um so how she got a 10 i'm not quite sure but i knew it in that moment like i knew she was going to get a 10 just because of it always it always happens that way especially yeah. at florida um that's not the first time where florida's needed x score in order to win and they get it and then they get it or more um, it's just become to expect it. But I think what I was saying is that it kind of, it's frustrating and it kind of makes the sport seem like a joke because there's nothing, there's nothing concrete about the scoring. Like there's no, these are the rules and this is what you need to do to get a 10 because it, now it's to the point where the judges aren't even following, you know, deductions and like, here's what you need to do to get a 10. Like judges are blatantly ignoring deductions. Right. Because how do you explain to a family member or a friend that you're watching with for the first time? Because we've done that a lot. We sometimes bring friends to gymnastics meets that aren't necessarily like into gymnastics and they love the atmosphere of college gymnastics. And then you're trying to explain how the sport works and the scoring. And how do you explain to someone? So you see that last pass there, that should have been a 10th deduction they but didn't take it, and she actually got a perfect time. And then they're like, well, but how was it perfect if she took that step? Well, that, and you're like, well, I ask myself that every day. <laughs> right, and then you have to get into, well, she has XYZ on her resume, or she goes to this school, and this she's in this conference. And, like, it's just about things that it shouldn't be about. Yeah. And that this is nothing new. Like, we're not talking about this as if, like, this is, like, a brand new phenomenon. And like, we're not just saying happening. that it's just Florida that does this. No. Like, there are a lot of teams that This have... whole podcast so far, I mean, honestly, I feel like we're pointing out all the deductions because... You know, we're not blind to it. Like, I'm I'm very much capable of looking at, uh, at every routine unbiasedly and knowing, like, even that should have been a deduction. Even if it's a team like Michigan that's, like, our team, and I'm putting that in, like, quotes. Yeah. Like, that's a team that we root for, and obviously we want them to win always. But I can still watch a routine that Natalie Wojcik does that's a really good routine yeah. and be like, eh, that shouldn't go 10. And if it does, I, I'll obviously be happy about it, but I could also be like, eh, I wouldn't have gone 10 for that. In my opinion, this weekend, we did not see a single 10 hour routine. I feel like I agree team. with you. Off the top of my head, I agree with you. Yeah. Also, I'm going to throw this in here now just in case this backfires. As we're recording this, we have about 45 minutes until the UCLA meet. So we're going to record after the meet, so we're going to talk about UCLA. But at this point in time, UCLA hasn't <laughs> happened. So if someone gets a 10 and I do agree with it, just like don't get angry at me. That's how probably end up acknowledging it. Right. But UCLA <laughs> hasn't happened yet. So as it stands, well, we should say UCLA, Minnesota, Iowa, because there's some gymnasts on all those teams that could get 10. Oh, absolutely. But as it stands right now, before that meet happens, I don't think we saw a single time this weekend. That's all I got to say. That's the tea. <laughs> I will say, though, that coming into this meet, I was expecting it to be a wild meet in terms of scoring. Like, I was expecting Florida to go, like, 1985 because they had so much 
there's so much to the storyline even. It's yeah, like, the momentum even going into Yeah, it's the meets on ABC. It's, you know, a Florida meet, which is always big. They always have, you know, really big, energetic crowds. There was all this hype surrounding this meet because it was on ABC. Carol, like literal Carol, like not like the joke, like the metaphorical Carol. Like literally Carol was there judging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not metaphorical Karen, actual Karen. Or Carol. <laughs> yeah, Carol, not Karen. She's definitely not a Karen. She's not a Carol. Karen. Yeah, that's the difference. Karen would be taking all the deductions. Yeah. Carol's like, I'm taking no deductions. <laughs> There's a difference. No, there totally is, though. It's funny. I just thought this meet was going to be really out of control. And you really thought it was going to be out of pocket, and it was? It was in some ways, but then it wasn't in some ways. Because, like, the overall team scores were not that high. Like, F- Florida only went 197. Yeah. Um, I, w- I truly was expecting them to go, like, way over 198. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about Florida in the past day or so. Because, obviously, they're one of the teams that is expected to contend for the national title at the end of the year. And... I really think coming into the season, I'm considering them, like, the number two team. But I don't think they showed that after this weekend. Yeah. That was not a second team of the nation performance at all. No. And I definitely think that they're capable of more. So I'm not writing them off necessarily. Like, oh, no. This team is super talented. Let's not, like... Let's not play games. Right. Like, they are capable of so much more than what they showed on that day. And I'm sure they're going to come out next week and be even better. Um, than what we saw, but definitely left that meet feeling a little bit underwhelmed. Yeah, I struggled with trying to decide if it was underwhelming or not, because in some ways it was very underwhelming, but then in some ways it was everything I expected it to be. Like, it literally (laughs) was the perfect combination, because I think in general, there was a lot of low scores for both teams. Some scores that I thought were too low, like Riley McCusker on pars, for example, she got a 9.75. Yeah, 9.75, and she had a small step back on her dismount and maybe a couple missed handstands, but I was expecting that to at least go somewhere in the 9.8 range. Same. Well, and the thing that was weird about it is Trinity also got a 9.75, but Trinity had a really big, obvious deduction in her handstand right before the dismount. Yeah, she she completely arched over and she caught it, but she had a really obvious deduction, and Riley didn't, aside from a tiny little step on the dismount. Yeah. So I don't really know how the judges came to the same score for both those routines. Yeah, Savannah Shane here on bars two. Oh my god, 9.825. I was expecting hers to be higher. So in general, for both teams, there was definitely areas where I was surprised to see such low scores, but then on the other hand, there was areas where there was huge scores. So it truly was a combination of like underscored overscored complete chaos like it was it was it felt like the judges were just making shit up as they went trying to like almost contrive a certain outcome yeah it was exciting in the sense that it was really close i mean alabama was leading all the way up until the last rotation and florida came through in the end it really helped to have those big scores you know from naya reed and trinity thomas and you know that they did have those big scores to kind of pull them through in the end and make you know, a really cool comeback story, you know, to have Alabama leading the whole competition, basically, and then Florida comes back for the win yeah. when it matters most. And that really is um, partially due to those, you know, last couple of scores. But, yeah, I have mixed feelings about the meet because I was expecting it to be a big overscoring fest. In some ways it was, but then in some ways it wasn't. And you're like, I'm confused. I don't know how to feel. In the end, I'm not quite sure that the right team won. Like you said in the beginning, we're not Alabama fans at all. We're not afraid to say that. 
Um, and the reason why we're not Alabama fans is extremely valid, I would say. Yes. Like, and it's not that we don't respect their gymnastics when they do good things. Like I can, I can recognize that Luisa Blanco is a beautiful gymnast and that, you know, there's times where she should have scored a 10 here or whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, we don't support them. But I can't say when looking at this meet that I think they should have won. They definitely were the better team. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't because it was an equality meet. Oh, <laughs> And I just yeah. felt so wrong, if you know what I mean. But, um, yeah. I think in general, though, the meet being on ABC and – you know, if there was someone that happened to just tune in and see, you know, how close the competition was or to see the energy in the arena. I mean, there was a shot where they showed the crowd and there was like these guys that looked with their football bros, like just going wild for gymnastics. And, and that really is a good sight to see in the yeah. sense that like if there's some more football bros at home flipping through the TV and they see another <laughs> football bro getting hype at a gymnastics <laughs> meet, like they're going to think gymnastics is cool. Right. Totally. Yeah. They're going to like... Like, they're they're going to identify with the male on the screen with a shirt off and yeah. freaking out. Like, there were some guys that you would not expect to be going wild at a gymnastics meet, going wild at a gymnastics meet. <laughs> and it was on ABC, and I think that's really important. <laughs> I agree. No, that was my thought, too. At the end, was, like, just the way that it came down to the final routine, and Trinity needed a 10, and they don't... The average person tuning in doesn't know what's a 10 and what's not a 10. They just see that it was really close, and somebody got a 10. And, and the is, crowd is hype. Yeah, and this is awesome. And... It, as gymnastics fans, we can have our thoughts on that, but as, you know, thinking about it from the perspective of the general public and growing the fan base and growing the appreciation for the sport of gymnastics. That, this meet was huge. Yes, I think it was. You know. It's a, it's a win in that category for sure. You see football games and basketball games um, with huge crowds and everyone's super hype and the crowd's going nuts and... It, it looks so cool. Like, you want to be there. Like, I don't know about you guys, but there's been times where, like, I'm not even a football fan, but I've wanted to go to a football game just because it looks so much fun. Yeah. Um, and that's how this meet looked, for sure. Like, I kind of wanted to teleport to that meet. Um, put me in, like, a little, like, plastic bubble because I obviously don't want to get COVID. Right. But, like, can I teleport there and be at this meet just to feel the energy in the arena? <laughs> in your Inside of your little... Uh, right. The walls of your bubble. <laughs> yes. It just looked like a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm glad that it was on national television yeah. for maybe the casual viewer that tuned in to see how fun it was and to see that gymnastics is a really popular sport that people are really passionate about. And, you know, hopefully more people will tune into gymnastics. Road Nationals tweeted that their, like, traffic on the website was at an all-time high for people looking at, you know, they're looking at something, whether it's the rankings, they're looking at teams and rosters. I don't know what they're looking at. Oh, my God, that makes me so excited, though. Yeah. So, like... It's working. Naya Reed was trending on Twitter. Yeah, which I guess maybe we should talk about her too because she also got a 10 on the floor. Yeah. And she tweeted before the meet that she wanted to get a 10 and then she did it. Like, how iconic is that? I know. It <laughs> makes me so happy for her. And her reaction was adorable. She was like on the ground sobbing. Yeah. So, so happy for her. But yeah, she was trending on Twitter afterwards. And yeah, it's just good for the sport. So We need more people watching, more people talking about it. And if an outrageous meet with crazy scoring that you can't really understand to the average person, like, they don't care about that. They just are there to watch some good gymnastics and have a good time. And I feel like that meet definitely did bring that energy. So that's a positive takeaway from it. Yeah, there's some things that just aren't in our control. And the judges and what they're doing is not in our control. Um, bringing the hype to gymnastics, getting people interested in gymnastics, that's something that we can control. Yep. So, Fighting for broadcast to show more meets, to provide better coverage, cough, cough, BTM+. Plus. 
um, you know, that's where we come in and we try and advocate for those things and spread the word. So that's what we're doing. And we hope that you guys are doing the same within your community and with your local gymnastics teams. Grab some flyers. Go hand them out to your neighbors. (laughs) The other day when we were at Michigan, we got a like a poster thing. It wasn't even actually a poster. It was like a piece of paper with the national championship team on it. I know. It was a flimsy piece of paper. And I'm like, you guys can put this on cardstock. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, I was going to put it, I jokingly said to Brittany, I'm going to put it in like the back of my car. Like, so you can see it through the window. I'm partially joking. Partially not. What do you think? I should think I do should, it? Oh, I think you should do it. I mean, I think everyone in this area is aware because we live in Ann Arbor, if you don't know. Um, Surprise. So like... <laughs> People are aware of it. You need to go to our hometown where our parents live and do some advertising. That I could do. Because then you're reaching like, but anywhere the outside I go. world. I travel. I'm a well-traveled girl. I'm all over the state. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more well-traveled than you with so my you job. You need to put it in your yeah, car. Yeah, I'm like literally all over the state. So our request for everybody is to print out a picture of your local team <laughs> or your favorite team. Put it in your car, drive around, make sure everyone sees it, roll your windows down at the red lights and tell them why, you know, X, Y, and Z, this is your favorite team and they're the greatest because of this. Um, yeah, just like get the word out. Put stuff in people's mailboxes. <laughs> no, mean, you can't. That's illegal. You can't go in people's mailboxes. Okay, set it by their mailbox. <laughs> Tape it to the outside of their mailbox. There yeah, there we go. Just spread the go word. Go to people at the group. <laughs> okay, we're going. We're going yeah, why, why, well, how did we get here? What are we doing? <laughs> go to people at the grocery stores, like sneak up behind them and just whisper in the ear, tune in to this meet on this date and like give them the information. <laughs> um, yeah, just do things like that. Be obnoxious about it. It works, I think. <laughs> Saturday night, another big matchup between Stanford and Cal. Both teams were tied at the end, which was super exciting. So they had a 196-275. Cal ended up having a score raise, which, forgive me, I didn't see which score it was. I'm not sure if anyone, like, I didn't see anyone talking about what routine was raised. So I don't really know. Um, But Cal did end up getting their score raised to a 196-325. I don't know. Some people are saying that they feel like Stanford was the better team. I don't necessarily have a strong opinion i think both teams had strong points both teams had weak points um i feel like cal was really 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 good on bars and floor their freshman maya Lazon, super excited for her debut she's going to be a star for them she did a full on vault but she's capable of a beautiful one and a half they were really looking forward to seeing at some point uh, but she had a great day no gabby perea i know what's up with that yeah i feel like Coming into college, she was expected to be a star, but she was clearly injured last season. And then I saw some videos of her in the preseason training, so I was like, this is going to be the year. And we had, we had didn't see her at this meet. So. Well, and before season started, there was um, – Cal did, like, an Instagram live with the head coaches, and they were talking about the team. And they said that Gabby Perea, you can expect to see on at least two events this season. So I was thinking. So maybe it's just. I mean, nowadays you never know. It could just be a sickness. True. It doesn't necessarily always mean injury. So kind of keeping my fingers crossed there that she's okay and we'll see her compete. She's going to be a huge asset to the Cal team. And then Stanford, I feel like they were really strong. Also on bars, on beam, they were like a pleasant surprise for me because I feel like we just never know what to expect with Stanford because they always have injuries going on. Or people that are just, like, mysteriously missing from lineups. And they're actually without their star, Chloe Winder. So, although we had to mention, Rena Alexeva finally did compete. Yeah. She's been much anticipated. And you guys, we'll say it now. We did try to get her on the podcast. She agreed to it. 
And then... There was, like, a little bit of back and forth, like... Not with her, but with Stanford's, like, media, their media person. And they were, like, agreeing to do it for, like, a couple weeks. And we were just trying to find a day that fit her schedule and then also fit our schedules. Because lately, that's been, like, our biggest problem. We've never had scheduling problems. And then it feels like the last couple of months, we've been having difficulties lining up guests because of both of our schedules. The demise of the All Things Gymnastics podcast will be us not being able to line up guests because of our schedules. Right. So yeah, it just didn't end up happening, and we kind of got ghosted in the end, which we were sad about, because I feel like she's someone that people want to know more about. She's been such a mystery, so I think people are really curious about her, and I think she has a good story, too, with, you know, coming up in the U.S. and having a lot of people talking about her, because she was from Volga, and, like, she's going to be the next big thing, and there was this whole, like, trying to get U.S. citizenship, and then she ended up going to Russia, and she trained at Round Lake for a little bit, and she went to Worlds and European Championships with Russia, and now she's in the U.S. doing college, and... She didn't compete her freshman year. We finally saw her, and she did not have the greatest day. I kind of felt bad. She really had a rough day. Oh, my God, but she'll be fine, though. She'll She's going to be so much better when she has more time to, like, acclimate and kind of get used to competing. It's yeah. different than what she's used to. I was just excited to see her out there, even if she didn't do that well. I was just like, hey, there she is. Like, <laughs> she's alive and she's competing. Yeah, no, totally. And then Kyla Bryant, she had oh, an incredible good. meet. She's actually ranked number one in the all-around. Like, okay, Miss Girl, get it. Right. Her beam is what I was most impressed with. So she got a 995 on bars. Beam, she got a 9925. But I would have gone 10 for that beam chain. <laughs> her dismount, like her face when she landed, she was literally just like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. her face just screamed She's like, that. She knew that she nailed it. Like, that's it. I just did that. <laughs> It was so good. I was basically pleasantly surprised with both teams is how I feel about this. Like, there's debate on who should have won, Stanford or Cal. I don't really have strong feelings on it one way or another. I think, like I said before, both teams had really strong points. Both teams kind of had weak points. Cal had a count, a fall on beam, Milan Clazzi, and then Jordan Kane, the freshman, both foul. So um, definitely areas to improve on for both, but it was a great meet. It was exciting. Another close meet. Gosh, that was the theme of this weekend was it was coming down to the last rotation, the last routine teams being really, really close. Like all weekend long, I feel like we've been saying that for every single one. It was just a really close weekend for college gymnastics, but that's exciting. That's, that's what we'd like to see. We like it to come down to the very end and, you know, to have it be a true competition. Okay, so to wrap up this week's episode, we're going to talk about UCLA, Minnesota, and Iowa. We just finished watching, so we're fresh off watching it. Yeah, you're going to hear <laughs> Yeah, you're going to hear our basically like real-time thoughts on this one. So it was Minnesota that came out on top with a 1969, which is a really really huge opening score for them this season. Iowa with a 19595 and then UCLA with a 19485. So I want to start by saying that for a hot second there, I thought Iowa was going to come away with the win. Well, they were leading the whole way through. Yeah. And then in the last rotation, they struggled quite a bit on bars, and Minnesota was lights out on floor. Yeah, so Iowa went 48-3 on bars in the last rotation. Didn't have a single score above 985, and it actually had three scores that were 965 or lower they were counting. And that's really unfortunate because they had a really good meet up until that point. In Minnesota, on the other hand, they finished on floor and they were lights out. They got a 49-375. They were able to drop a 965 from earlier in the lineup and all routines that were counted were 985 or higher. Yeah, Maya Huen's routine really stood out to me. 
always fun to watch on floor, really energetic choreography, and just looks like she's having so much fun, and her tumbling is fantastic. Yeah, I actually was kind of hoping that she was going to get a 10 until the last pass, yeah. and then I was like, eh, probably yeah. not. She but... stepped forward on the landing rather than backwards, so it wouldn't have been correct if she got a 10, but still, she got a 9-9 and well-deserved. And Lexi Rambler, of course, so beautiful. We don't expect anything less from her at this point. She took the all-around title with a 39.7. Which is huge. Which, let me check real quickly. I'm pretty sure now that's the highest all-around score in the nation. Yes. Okay, so I just checked. That is the highest score in the nation that tops Kyla Bryant's 39.675 from just the day before. So she's already on a roll in her super senior year. Yeah, her bar routine in particular was phenomenal. I actually would have been okay. I know earlier in this episode you said you didn't think there was any routine that deserved a 10. I would have been okay with a 10 for Lexi on bars, personally. Yeah, uh, I think it's kind of hard to see like with the camera angle. She did kind of look like she landed with her feet a little bit staggered. She stuck the landing on the dismount, but it looks like her feet were kind of not, like, perfectly (laughs) together. They were a little bit apart. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see that. (laughs) That might be the only deduction if there is one, but she nailed the handstands. She keeps her legs glued together on all her release moves and transitions. It's just absolutely stunning, a beautiful gymnast to watch, and she's going to have a really big season. And I think Iowa and Minnesota are going to have really big seasons as teams. I mean... You know, we talked earlier about Michigan State being a team on the rise, and I think Iowa and Minnesota are also in that mix with being, like, the top teams in the Big Ten along with Michigan, of course. You know, I think that they're really coming on strong in the first week or two, I guess, depending on which team you are. Minnesota, this was their season opener, but, you know, the first two weeks of college gymnastics, they've really made a statement, and I'm excited to see what they do the rest of the season. Yeah, and I love how competitive the Big Ten has become in the last, really the last couple of years, I would say, Mm -hmm. but particularly last season with Minnesota winning the Big Ten title, Iowa winning the regular season Big Ten title, Michigan winning the national championships. This is a level of competitiveness in this conference that, quite frankly, we haven't really seen before, but Mm -hmm. I'm so here for it. That's actually a really good point when you think about it that way. Like, you have so much history being made. And really on any given day, either of those teams could be the best in the Big Ten. And I think that's, you know, really exciting because like you said, it's been just Michigan for a very, very long time. And, you know, rewind a couple years ago, Nebraska was was right up there. (laughs) R.I.P. Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska's kind of gone downhill a little bit. And we've seen a lot of teams do that. We mentioned Georgia. I made a comment about them earlier. And another one, unfortunately, kind of seems to be UCLA, who was at this meet as well. They had a less than spectacular showing in this meet, and this was their first meet of the season. Of course, they were supposed to compete the week prior, but COVID protocols took them out. I will say that I was pretty disappointed. I mean, it's hard to judge the first meet of the season because there's so many factors that could go into it with the COVID protocols, and they had a long you know, day of travel to get to Minnesota, and of course, there's some rumors going around with you know, a member of their team departing. And there's probably, I would imagine, some drama going on behind the scenes of the team. There probably is going on, there probably is a lot going on for this team, but yeah, for sure. I don't think I expected them to look quite like this, especially for the level of talent that they have on their team. That's what gets me, honestly, is you have two Olympians that just joined in Brooklyn Moores and Jordan Childs. You have Olympic alternates. There's just so much. And former elite gymnasts and, like, national champions, national team members. World and, medalists. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's really, like, 
you could say one of the most talented rosters. Oh, absolutely. Across the board, which is why it's so surprising to see such a poor performance. Yeah, so let me real quickly say the scores because we haven't actually said it yet. They posted, or we did in the beginning. I said, yeah, the team total. But to remind you, it was 194.850. So they didn't even break 195. And on all of the events, they only broke 49 on floor. The rest of the events, they were in the 48 range, which is really not acceptable, in my opinion, for a team of this caliber. They went 48.5 on vault. The highlight was Shay Campbell's 9-9. For her Yurchenko full, which is beautifully done. Oh, yeah. That was definitely well-deserved. Brooklyn Morris came through big. We didn't get to see her at Meet the Bruins, so I don't think we really knew what to expect with her. But she had a great ball, stuck the landing. Chess was down kind of a bit low, but it is a 10-0 start value. Well, so and fun fact, Nellie Kim, yes, the Nellie Kim, was judging vault at this competition. And if you look at the scores, it's kind of interesting. She would score higher for vaults that weren't Yurchenko entries. <laughs> So interesting. Yeah, clearly she's not a fan of the Yurchenko wall, but but other than that, the rest of the lineup was kind of just mediocre in my opinion. Marzetta Frazier was originally supposed to be in on vault. She hit her foot on the bars during her even bar routine. Pretty hard. Yeah, and was basically limping around the arena for the rest of the meet. So she ended up getting pulled out on vault and floor. They put Nora Flatley in, and we didn't get to see it on the broadcast. She scored a 9.75, so definitely not bad, but, you know, if this team wants to be competitive, they need more than that. MML Bouillot did a full as well, 9.725. Then the other two that they can expect big scores from, because they're 10 star values, is Kendall Poston and Jordan Childs. Both had mistakes. Poston fell, and then Jordan, don't really know quite what happened there. She... She, well, she went for the the double. Which, yes, and I don't know if maybe she was trying to do the full and then she kind of got lost in the air maybe or she was intending to do the double. I'm not quite sure what happened. I've never seen Jordan do anything like this. Her double was super consistent in Elite. So for her to have way too much power and kind of go like flying backwards out of it, yeah, it was definitely uncharacteristic. Yeah, not what you would expect from someone like Jordan Childs. Bars, obviously, Mark Zeta, we mentioned that she hit her foot on the bar. She got a 9.525. They had a fall from Anna Potterariu, as well as Sarah Julius. So some missed opportunities there for big scores. Beam was also kind of a struggle for them. They had a fall from Kendall Poston and a pretty big error from MML Blue on her dismount, resulting in a 9.675. And then just some other scores in there that are like not the end of the world, but when you're UCLA and you're, you know, you have this reputation of being a top team and you have all these amazing athletes, I would expect more gymnasts to be getting in like the 985 to 99 range. Yeah, for sure. And then floor was definitely, I think, their highlight. They had 9825, 985, 9775, 9875 for Brooklyn Moores. Her team was beautiful. Yeah, I really am glad to see the way that that routine translated into college gymnastics. And, you know, sometimes floor routines in college can be kind of gimmicky. So it was nice to see something that was different in Brooklyn Moores. And when I say different, I mean different for UCLA and for college gymnastics. Not different for Brooklyn. That's always been her style, but... Um, I'm just really glad to see that that translated well to college. And also her opening pass, a double front, she nailed it. Oh, it was beautiful. It was art, pure art. <laughs> and then to finish up the scores, they got a 9-8 from Sierra Julius and a 9-6 from Polina Trotz, which obviously was the score that they dropped. So 
Oh, and we should probably mention Polina stepped in from Arxetta, so that was kind of a last-minute thing. A lot of people were wondering why she wasn't in the floor lineup to begin with. I had a lot of questions in general, like why wasn't Jordan Childs in anything but bars and vaults? Yeah. Um, Just overall, a lot of questions, very underwhelming performance. Kind of makes you wonder if this is, like, the new future for UCLA. They're way too good of a team to be performing this way, even for the first meet of the season, even given all the other factors, the pandemic and everything else that's been going on. I just expect more from them. Yeah, I guess that's how I feel too. Like, I'm disappointed because I think we had a lot higher expectations for them. Even in our preview episode, we were kind of like hyping them up and saying that this is a team that you can never count them out and look at this freshman class they have coming in. Well, you can't blame us for thinking that, though. When you look at the names on paper, they're like a national championship contending team. And I do think that they'll improve. Like, I don't think that this is the end for UCLA. Like, I'm sure that they will come back on track and be better once they get back out there next week. But, yeah, I don't know. Still just not... Not up to standard for what they probably expect from themselves and also as fans what we expect from them. I think I want to see another meet or two before I form any opinions that are too hardcore. Yeah, I see a lot of people on Twitter calling for a complete rehaul of the coaching staff, which I get. I I get that. I Because here's the thing. This is not the first time this has happened. UCLA has had a lot of meltdowns, and they've kind of been all over the place, really, the last couple of seasons. So you could say... Minus, this, minus the one season they won a national championship. <laughs> but right, but really since then, what's yeah. happened? I mean, Miss Val has left. Chris Waller took over. Hired a completely new coaching staff. Yep. They did lose, you know, back in 2020, one of their best classes ever. And possibly you could say one of the greatest classes in the history of college gymnastics as a whole. Yeah. With Kyla Ross, Gracie Kramer, Felicia Hanna. Madison Koshin. Yep. All of them. So they lost that incredible class. And then there was, you know, COVID. And California in particular was hit really hard with COVID. And meets being canceled and postponed and not being able to train. And that, that applies to really all of the California schools. Like it was, It's a bigger deal, it seems, in California. Okay, let me clarify. I'm not saying it's a bigger deal in California. I'm saying, like, case-wise. Yeah. And lockdowns and shutdowns. California was definitely hit the hardest. So you did have all those factors to consider and kind of maybe use it as an excuse at some point here or there. Um, And then this season now they have, you know, some drama within the team, some, you know, allegations of racism and things like that. So this team does have a lot that they're dealing with, but it begs the question, like, do they just get a pass every single year? Do they get excuses every single year? Or does something need to change? Right, because this has been going on for quite a bit like you mentioned. So I think that, like I said before, I, you know, form any kind of opinion that is. (laughs) I don't know if you guys could hear that, but (laughs) someone sneezed up above us and it shook the entire building. (laughs) Hopefully that person's okay. Anyways, I was saying that I think I just want to see a little bit more from UCLA this season with this team, with this freshman class um, figure out more about Margaretta Frazier, her injury, what's going on there. And she did tweet that she was going to be okay and she would keep us updated. So that does look promising. Yeah. Because um, I really need her. Yeah. I guess I don't really know what to say right now about UCLA. I, I'm I'm confused. I'm, I have a lot of feelings about it. Seeing them ranked, what are they going to be, like 30th mm-hmm. in the nation? That is just so not good <laughs> for them. Um, and I hope that this was just a fluke. I hope that... This season will be much better for them. And, you know... I feel like I still have hope. 
I do too. I know a lot of people are. It's way too early in the season to rule them out. I know that people don't agree with me on that. And I see people like kind of, you know, sharing their opinions online. They're very strong opinions and they're ruling UCLA out. They're canceling UCLA. They're canceling the coaching staff, I should say. I think that this freshman class, which at this point is making up, you know, they're, they're contributing a lot to the lineups, this freshman class. I think they deserve a little bit more time to adapt to college gymnastics and to transition. Yeah. And we'll see how they do before I make any calls and say, okay, the coaching staff is a complete shit. I'm already, I already have thoughts in my head, but I do think that this team in particular deserves a little bit more time just because this is their first meet. And given the circumstances. Yes. And then we'll see, you know, if we're, you know, a couple more meets into the season and things are still looking this way. Um, I don't think there's very many opportunities left to give excuses. Right. We reserve the right to change our opinion. But for now, we'll just say that we're disappointed. We expected more. And we are cautiously optimistic that things will improve, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks. And that we will see a more complete performance from UCLA. And hopefully kind of living up a little bit more to the potential, especially with that freshman class. That does it for this week's episode. We're not exactly sure quite yet what the plan is for next week's episode. I know we said this last time, but we do still have a couple interviews that we're trying to work out as far as scheduling goes. So we're really excited about what we have coming up, but just trying to kind of get everything finalized. So thank you all for your patience. And in the meantime, we hope you're enjoying college gymnastics and we'll continue to talk about the season, you know, all season long as things progress. And whether it be an interview or recap, we hope to have something for you next week so have a great week and we will talk to you guys soon bye bye